All right, for those of you that maybe weren't here last night, we're pleased to have Jerry Martin with us. Uh, Jerry's an associate professor at Amridge University. Uh, he has a degree in marriage and family therapy, a PhD. Uh, he teaches there. He was dean of the College of Human Services for a while. Human Resources or Services? Services. Services. Um, he also has a Master of Science in Counseling from Ambridge, as well as a Bible, uh, Bachelor of Arts in Bible. He's a 1979 graduate of the Memphis School of Preaching. He does numerous seminars um, on gospel meetings, on dealing with uh, counseling items, grief um, and crisis management, uh, as well as leadership development. And probably more importantly for the audience that's here this morning. He has 40 years of preaching experience and is all now serving as the local preacher for the Pine Street Church of Christ in Crossett, Arkansas. And he and his wife, Denise, have one, three sons, one daughter, and they have 10 grandchildren, so they've been blessed richly. So we won't take up any more of his time. Brother Martin. Delight to see you this morning. Always a, a little test to see who comes back, you know. And um, if for some reason uh, you uh, are here without your spouse or other family members, do get a copy of the little little language quiz and uh, take it home. And it's just a fun thing to do together, both as couples, and it's neat for your children to do. You know, we can learn how to. Sometimes we have that generation gap we think between parents and children. And some of that's just because we don't know how to speak the language. They don't know ours and we don't know theirs. And so pick one up if you are here and other family members are not able to be here and take those home and, and do them at your own leisure. And just talk about them. I think the results will be interesting to you. Let's go to God in prayer before we get started. <clears throat> Holy Father, we are always awestricken to be in thy presence, fully conscious of thy holiness and thy greatness, and our total dependence upon thee for our existence. We're grateful for the provisions that thou hast made for us, both in our, our natural world, but also in our spiritual relationship with thee through Christ. We're thankful for this occasion. We can come together and talk about those things that are imported in thy design for our marriages and our families and our influence. We pray that we might utilize those things in such a way that we would bring glory to thy high and holy name. Bless each person represented here and for their obvious desire to learn more and to do more in thy service. For we ask this in Christ Jesus' name, and amen. All right, we ended last night talking about communication, and, and uh, I'll just put that on the board while I'm talking, just to remind you of the definition of what uh, uh, communication really is. And particularly when we get to, well... As I told you last night, it's always a good practice to turn it on. You know, it's, uh, at least I'm consistent. You, uh, we all learn that way, don't we? We mentioned these are, are things that Denise and I deal with all the time. That is, issues that cause problems in, in marriages. And there are probably other nuances to that that you might be aware of. We'll talk about all those items except the financial part. You know, you, uh, you need to seek advice with financial advisors, and there are a lot of those out there. We've got some books that we could we recommend to you, but it consumes a lot of our, our uh, uh, seminar time, and there's so many different 
layers of financial challenges that we can't really do it justice. Somebody always leaves saying, well, you didn't really deal with what I need to deal with. So we're not going to deal with that at all. That way all of you are unhappy at once at the same level. You didn't deal with finances, and, but we will deal with these other areas. Now let's look at the communication part, and then I want to ask you some questions. Um, so that's the definition, how we're imparting information. You shared that definition with me last night. But this was the part I want us to look at and then get your feedback from your experience last night. See what your, uh, some of you are still here as couples, so that meant you survived it. Either you didn't take the quiz at all, and so you still don't know, or you took the quiz and, and you, uh, you want to share what you know. So those are the two most important letters in the word communication. I see. Until you get to that point where you really see the other person's vantage point, you really haven't communicated. Now you may yell and scream and you may have their attention, you may intimidate them, they may not say anything back and you think you've communicated, but you've com communicated nothing unless they can say, ah, I see what you're talking about. Doesn't mean they have to agree with you, but they need to understand your vantage point. We get to that point in our, our marriages and in our families and our child rearing, if we can communicate that way where we really know where the other person's coming from. Parents kind of have an advantage in that because we have been young before. And so we know what it's like to be young. Now our children don't understand that. They think, you just, you don't have any idea what I'm feeling. And, and you know, we can honestly say, well, I've, I've been young once. They haven't been old yet. And so they really can't understand where we're coming from. They haven't had parental responsibility. So it's important that we try to explain that to them, how they're going to ever learn how to be parents. We don't teach them. So that's kind of the background of that. So let's just pause there while we got the IC moment. And let me ask you uh, to give me your feedback about what language did you discover that you is predominant with you. We talked about those five, five languages. Let's get there. So, so if you're going to be staring at the screen, you'll have something to stare at. All right, what did you discover? Who wants to volunteer before I start drafting people? Uh, All right, Bob. I found that mine's words of affirmation. Okay. Bob's is words of affirmation. Um, when you look at that, how many else in here were words of affirmation? That makes it a little safer for you. Wow. Uh, all right. Like, maybe, sort of, that kind of means I'm bilingual. It, you know, I had that number, but I also had some others. Um, all right, let's talk about that just a little bit. Uh, words of affirmation. How did, was that accurate for you? When you look at that, you think, okay, yeah. Saw some other hands back here. Anything about that you thought, I'm not sure that's really me. Numbers came out right, but... Not sure. Do you think that's because uh, uh, that grows out of your family experience? All boys in his family. All, all boys in his family. So you've got this competition for affirmation. Uh, uh, being from a large family myself, I could see where that'd be a, a challenge. So uh, what do you think Bob would do and these other two would do if... Um, that's their language, how would they communicate with you? Yeah, you know, yeah, they'd be going around saying, 
you did a really good job. You know, I really appreciate you, know, you stepping up and leading singing. Boy, I, I appreciate you doing those chores. They would have a, a way to go around telling other people how well they're doing. Because that's really what they want to hear. I mean, they, they want people to say, you know, you're a really good husband, Bob. You know, I, I'm glad I married you. I mean, those kind of things, if, if he doesn't ever hear that, then there's kind of this vacuum that he feels like, boy, you know, I must not be doing something right. And, and so likely you are encouragers where you, uh, you do the attaboys for people. You know, that's the way to do it. Maybe even when there's a, a person feeling kind of down and less than they ought to be, you say, look, you, you've got so many talents. You know, just, just focus on those things that are positive. All right, who else? Those words of affirmation. Now, how many of you like quality time? All right, several more of you. So we got like six or seven of you. Um, now you notice this lady up here raised her hand and that hasn't always been the case. And I mentioned to you last night that hers, most of her life has been words of affirmation. Uh, now you can read that a lot of different ways, but uh, now it's quality time. And I tried to explain that last night. Who else wants to share um, your insight about quality time? Was that accurate for you, you think? It's a, it's a All right. Just what? It's a close second. A close, sec close second. All right. Okay, pressing on into the golden years. I like the, I like the sound of that. You know, I, uh, that kind of sounds like I got one foot in there and I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm headed that way. Not, not quite the golden years, but yes, sir. I think it's perspective based. All right, perspective based. So, uh, time is something we, we'll talk about this in the, in the uh, last hour today, but time is something that uh, we use all the time, like, I just don't have time. Yeah. Uh, well, I would do that, but I just don't have time. I'm sorry I didn't call you back because I just didn't have time. Well, you know, and we'll, we'll address that a little bit, but we really do have time. We just didn't allot it for that particular priority. That's really what it boils down to. And so somebody who, whose language is quality time, it's saying, I want you to prioritize that. You know, I prioritize time for you you know, here's what I did. I got supper ready and I did all these things and, you know, uh, that took time and I prioritized that for you to make sure that we're all together. And then if you never prioritize time with them, then you never really communicate with them that you love them. And that's what it all kind of boils down to. People who have these languages, if you don't use it, then they don't feel like you care about them. You know, they, they feel diminished in some way. And they'll keep screaming out in their language, you know, Okay, I'm, I'm here. What do you need me to do? Well, I don't need you. Well, you just told them, you have no place in my life. I can't make time for you. And that's what you've communicated because that's how they communicate. Yes, ma'am, you had something back here. I was going to comment that my husband is about uh -huh. and his is quality time. But he never had Okay. Okay. It, it, well, it sounds like it, you know, and I, uh, I'm kind of be cautious to uh, not knowing him and don't know the real context. I'd be cautious to speak for him, but that's certainly the case. You know, some things we cannot avoid. You know, there, there are certain 
responsibilities we have, jobs we have to do, but still we get back to how do we communicate that? You just ask the question that you don't have an answer to, which means something hadn't been communicated. Doesn't mean you have a bad marriage. It doesn't mean that you know something bad wrong. It's just saying, if you have to ask the question, and you did, and properly so, then that means that hasn't been communicated yet. So what I would do is 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 get him to take the little quiz and carve out some time. You know, whatever he has to do when he gets home, that it would be done when he got there. So that time he would normally use. You know, to feed the animals or cut the grass, I'd, I'd shock him and hire it done or something, and the grass is cut. So he can't say, I don't have time. You would usually spend two hours cutting grass, two hours right here. Uh, let's talk about this. Now, that's going to shock him the first time. He's going to think he's in trouble, or uh, you, you've got to copy the bank account or something. I mean, he's going to think something's up. But just say, you know, I know you're busy. Make it a positive thing. I know you're busy and you know, your time value. I really appreciate all you do. You're working hard. But I want all that work to pay off for us. And so I want to make sure that's done so we can just say I'm taught. Let's take this little quiz and see what our language is. Then I start working on this language. You know, I'm going to have to be creative. And we'll talk about that in the quality time part um, uh, this afternoon. I heard, saw another hand back here, baby. Absolutely correct. There is a priority. Um, who, who makes that priority? Now, he described in his, in his remarks all the elements. There are some things that we don't control. I and mean, if we've got a job and they say you're going to be at work at 8 o'clock if you're going to have this job and you're going to work to 5 o'clock if you're going to have this job then you've got to feed your family and say here's a time that I really can't control because I have to feed my family. So from, from eight to five, here's where I'm gonna be. But that's not all your day. What do you do before eight and what do you do after five? You get to prioritize. And so we can't use those things that we don't control to uh, you know, camouflage those things that we, we can control. And it's a priority, you're right. And you can't do everything, just can't. And you can do a lot of things but you've got to say, what's the most important things that we need to do? Prioritize that. And that quality time is where it gets, uh, if that's your language, then you're going to really have a challenge, all of us do, with that priority. And so you've got to really work at, I'm not a language expert. I'm talking about I don't, I don't speak anything but English, and some would question if I speak that very well. But... Um, I'm told that there's some languages that are harder to learn than others. But there are a whole lot of people that speak those languages, so they, it can be learned. But just because of how it's constructed and, and how it's put together and how it's interpreted, it's difficult to, to learn. But if you're going to go and, from our standpoint, evangelize that nation, guess what? You better prioritize that language and you better be able to to speak it. And so even though quality time is one of those probably most challenging parts, if that's your dominant 
uh, language, that's probably going to be something you're always going to have to work on because of all these other demands that, that you have. And you're not the only one that has demands on your time. You just described that with your husband. You know, uh, you're not the only one that's uh, demanding time here or expecting time or uh, desiring time. So with that language, you're going to have to say, look, I understand where you are. I understand what you're doing. But what if I do this and then let's do this together? Rather than make it combative, you never have time for me. You never have time for me. You never have time for me. Well, how do we work together to make sure there's time for me? And what do we mean, time for me? What does that mean to you? You know, you may, uh, you know, may have something very specific in mind about the quality time. You don't want to just sit there and watch TV. He's not really with you if he does that. Um, where there might be others say, you know, we don't really have to have a conversation. I just want you present. You know, if we don't do anything, just sit here and hold hands. And, um, uh, but that's key. Okay, now let's look at uh, receiving gifts. Now, come on. That, it's not my author. I want to say something about that. Okay. That's I thought she'd change her language. I thought, uh-oh, where's, where's my billfold? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's number five for me. Giving and receiving gifts. At this point of our lives, we're trying to simplify our lives. Get rid of stuff. Get rid of stuff. <laughs> downsize, simplify, because I realize that those things are not important. But I've got a few friends And I've really been blessed in that area, you know, because uh, being one of 11 children, you know, we didn't give gifts a lot. I mean, you, you'd go broke giving gifts all the time, you know. Um, so that wasn't something we did. So I didn't speak that language really well. And we'll use some examples about that later. Um, but she's absolutely right. We kind of share that. People who are around us during holidays and things like that, they kind of look at us like Scrooge. Like, you didn't buy her gift? She'd throw things at me if I bought her gifts for the reason she's describing. Uh, everywhere she goes and speaks, you know, they give her a gift, and she fully understands. You know, that's their language saying, we're so glad you come, and we want you to remember this, and they give her a gift, but now she's got to decide where she puts it. And if you come and visit us, she's got to go get it out and say, well, I need to display this while they're here so they'll know, I, you know that I, I'm not shunning them and their gifts but it's problematic for her to give gifts. And what we do is we identify things that we need or want, and we have a happy I love you day. You know, if we want it right now and we need it right now, we go together and get it and say, uh, this is because I love you. Not because Hallmark said it's Valentine's Day, or all the commercial things said it's Christmas, and if you love somebody, you're going to give them this expensive gift and pay on it the rest of the year. We don't do those kind of things. But if there's something we really know that the other one wants or needs. Which is usually something that's making a memory. Yeah. I need somewhere together or a special weekend. I would rather spend the money. Give me a gift of your time. And let's make a memory that I don't have to judge. 
and your kids are going to give you gifts sometimes, you know, and so uh, you don't say, I don't like gifts, you know, why do you bother me with the gifts? And Because that's their language, you want to appreciate that. But they need to also know their mother, that she would rather them come and see her and spend time with her than give her a gift. That is her gift. You know, just, just come let me see you and see the grandkids and that I'll be happy. They need to know that about her. And so that, that's been a blessing in the sense that uh, we kind of share that, that. That's number five for both of us. Uh, we just, and if, again, if you're around my house, he's our preacher and he doesn't get her a Valentine's card. Why am I going to let somebody else tell me when to give her a card? I'll just pick out a, a day that she's not expecting it and I'll draw my little tukey heart on the inside of a card and say, this is happy I love you day. I'm the only one that chose that day. There's nobody else on the planet that did that but me, and guess what? She's mine, and I let her know that on that day. So those are the kind of things. Yes, ma'am? Okay. Hey, man. I like it. Get a chainsaw. That's right. Now, I'm real cautious about that, you know, to say... <laughs> I bought you this new skillet, you know, that, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's right. That is that absolutely true. And you'll use in multiple ways. And, and that's, we're so practical that it's boring to people uh, for that reason. But if you didn't hear her, you said, you know, we just, especially in the early days, just needed a chainsaw and buy them a chainsaw, you know. Uh, but if you don't know their language, you buy them a chainsaw, that can be dangerous. You know what I mean? You, you've got to be real careful. You've got to know that's what they need and that's what they want. Uh, all right, let's look at the others quickly. Receiving gifts was, um, you know, not as popular as I thought it'd be. Yeah. Acts of service. All right, I really thought we'd have more of those, but uh, uh, we're kind of a dying breed, aren't we? <laughs> so the, these acts of service, not as many of us as it used to be. But what do you think that is? That that's not a, as a predominant language maybe as it used to be. Okay, I think, I think in our modern society so many things are, are done for us. You know, it's just uh, uh, modernized and quicked up and easy to do. We, I describe my upbringing and every day was a survival. You know, the animals had to be fed every day, and, and the chores had to be done every day. And so it was just, every day was, you got to live today, so here's the things you got to do. And so it's kind of built in. We don't live on those farms. We don't have those kind of chores. We can hire a lot of those chores done. You know, some things you buy, they're just permanent. You don't have to do anything with them. And so I think maybe that's why there are fewer of uh, acts of service people. But let's take that, because there are a few of us still left. Um, all right, what, what complications? Well, let's don't start with the negative. Uh, what positive do you feel like that that's brought into your life? Anything in particular? Great point. 
That's a great point. And here's somebody who's a, a mother in, in constant care of a child. I mean, it's not, okay, we'll get around to the child care and we'll feed the chickens. I mean, the little chickens need feeding and hugging and patching and cleaning and it's constant. I mean, when they're, they're little, every moment of every day is connected to those children. And so she's saying, if, if her husband comes in and says, hey, I'm gonna take the kids to the park, you know, uh, or kids and I are gonna help you do the chores, it's like, he loves me, he adores me, you know, he knows me. That, that, that's just something that really means something to me. There's no question that he loves me if he do that for me because he knows what that means to me. That's her language. What is she doing then, uh, taking care of the kids and cooking the meals and cleaning the house? What's she saying to him? I love you. you know, that, that's her language. I love you. And if he responds to that by uh, helping with those chores and taking care of those children, he just spoke in her language. You know, I love and adore you and I appreciate what you're doing. And I experience what you're doing. Um, but you've got the attitude that I mentioned some of my preacher friends have is like, you know, I, I, I don't do dishes. Well, there may be a lot of other things you don't get to do in your relationship because you don't do dishes. You know, there, there may be a, a lack of mutual understanding and, and oneness if you don't do that. It's a great point. I think that's, it's true of all of us because our chores doesn't, don't stop, but they're not as multiplied when we don't have children. Because children, there's a, uh, there's a tornado going on all the time. I mean, there really is. There's this natural disaster that happens in our, our homes constantly. And so uh, you don't just say, well, we got that all cleaned up. Maybe we'll wait to hurricane season. No, it's hurricane season all the time when you got kids. It just is. They're learning to do things, and, and she's locked in. It's a mother because she wants to be a mother. She loves her kids, but it's endless. And so if you help out with that, you've spoken her language. Now you know what it is. Um, had something else back here. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. Um, Denise and I, and we, I know we're going over a little bit, we'll go over a little bit on the other end, you know, because these, these breakouts, but this is what we, we did the exercise for, is, is discussion. Um, at Polishing the Pulpit, one of the things that Denise and I do is that we provide counseling service for, for folks, and, and we had one this, this past year, and just the wife came in, her husband didn't come with her, and one of the things she described was that she does all these things, you know, trying to, uh, and these are Christian people, but she does all these things for, you know, try to uh, build this relationship with her husband, and he stays gone, and she doesn't always know where he is, and he's got hunting and fishing and this and that, and uh, which is not anything wrong with it, but if you don't communicate, share that, then this distance gets further and further. And these are people who, their kids are grown. They've got practically grown grandchildren, and she thought she'd be able now, just the two of them, and they'd enjoy their time together, and he's there less now than he's ever been. Anyway, he comes in, and then he's popped popcorn, and it's all over the floor, and he leaves the popcorn popper there, and all the things on the floor, and you know, bags everywhere, and she has to get up and clean it up. He doesn't say, hey, can we have some popcorn together? 
he waits till you know she's too tired to uh, it's too late and those things happen now that's what do you think he's saying to her you know you in response to what you were saying doesn't really care about it. He'd say, well, I'll... Well, like she oh, said I had... He would, he would pop the popcorn in those bags in the microwave, and he would eat the popcorn and just throw the bag on the floor. Um, that was just his habit. So he's treating her more like a maid or a servant than a wife, a companion. All right, and, uh, and if you didn't hear Denise, said he's treating her more like a maid or a servant. You know, and that's somebody that's hired to do a particular job, so they come in and there's stuff on the floor, they expect to clean it up because that's what they're paid for. Uh, and so if you treat your spouse or your children that way, um, you think they're going to feel loved and appreciated? That's right. Exactly right. Well, I need you as a maid, but I don't need you in an a, a intimate relationship. Now, does that, that finger mean something when she points that? I, I, I'm just trying to communicate here. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. As long as it's not that one. Well, and to her credit, she's tried that, you know, and, and that's another bothersome thing. He doesn't want her with him, and that creates some suspicions of its own, you know, and when he's gone a lot, but he doesn't really want her there. He's got, you know, friends that he does things with, and that's kind of a, an exclusive club. That's just her terminology. You know, he's, um, that's exactly what we said. You know, we'll try to do things. He said, well, I've offered. He just doesn't want me there. Uh, he doesn't want her gone necessarily, I suppose, because who's going to pick up the popcorn bags? You know what I mean? But, but that's kind of depressing, isn't it, when you think about if that was an everyday happening and she described it as a, she gets up and, you know, does his breakfast and, you know, and sometimes he'll say, I'm going to, I'm meeting my friends, we're going to eat at Waffle House or something. And he's like, here's my breakfast. You know, so uh, really, really problematic. And that's why we have these discussions. You know, you, you really have to work at communicating language. I saw a hand somewhere. Okay. Do you, um, and this is from a personal experience, do you think that, that men don't really realize how difficult it is to raise toddlers? Um, yes. I, 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 know, I know men don't uh, I know men don't really understand what it takes to raise toddlers. Here's and, why I say that, yeah. you know, I Shirley and I'll talk about when we were first married and things like that. And, and and at that time I was working secular work, working 10, 12 hours a day, coming home, doing the man thing, mowing the grass mm-hmm. and all that. So I thought, man, I'm you know, I'm a good husband, yeah. good provider. But when we talk about that, she talks about how difficult it was and that I she her perspective was I wasn't helping her as much with mm-hmm. the girls as she needed or expected. Yep. And what we're having discussion now is in the past we haven't talked about it. I mean, we talk about it after the fact. Yeah. But during that process and sometimes in a church environment uh, preachers have a tendency to prepare sermons and project them out. You know, like, all right, these things you're supposed to do. And then husbands particularly take it and interpret it like, well, you know, your wife, your responsibility to be submissive to me and, and raise the children. And, and I don't really know where those verses are that says that the women are the ones to 
raise the children. Because I read it correctly, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Fathers, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Nurturing sounds like a child thing to me. So like you ought to be involved in bringing them up. Where does that start? Well, when they get to go old enough to go fishing and hunting, you know? Or is that start at the beginning and, and you help bring them up? And Denise and I have always um, shared that part. You know, we, we both wanted to have that interaction with our children. And, um, and as I mentioned to you last night, I like time with her. And if I leave all the responsibility, particularly when they're toddlers like you're talking about, if I leave all that responsibility with her, she's never going to have time for me. And I'm jealous of her time. So, okay, I'll bathe the kids. So we'll have time together later. I can do that. And i got to mop up the floor after they bathe anyway, and so I might as well be in there and cut down on some of the splashing, and, and we'll get it done. And guess what? I had that time with the kids. That's the part I think we miss. And, you know, our spouses look back on it and say, well, you weren't there to help me, but I was telling someone last night, you know, they were asking about priorities with their uh, responsibilities and, and they had younger children. And I said, here's what you've got to be aware of. You get one shot, just one, with your children while they're young. And if you don't spend time with them, you won't get time with them. It just won't happen. And you know, that's not a scare tactic. That's reality. You, you better plug in. And they're fun when they're toddlers. Yes, they're, you know, they mess up things and they get into things and um, but wow you know if you miss that part of it you you don't have any impact on molding their little personalities you know and and they're hilarious at that age if you'll just spend some time with them and sometimes that aggravation you kind of say boy I know where they got that because I look in the mirror and I've got that same expression when I wake up in the morning you know and, and they have that and so it allows us to say, why do I nurture that so that that disposition may be a little more pleasant? Did I have another hand? Our right, physical touch. All right, and boy, don't we live in a society now that uh, cripples us in that. You know, we like, oh, do you? You know, uh, do, I, do I hug my children? Well, what are people going to think if I'm hugging on my children? You, know, you get into all kinds of work mentality uh, in our warped society even though on one on one side of it you know there's just perverted uh, sexuality and on the other end of it you can't show any kind of physical touch without that being perverted in some way what a tragic thing you know and all those 11 kids you know I don't know how my mother got around to hugging all of us but she did you know if we had a hurt we go and Hug on our mother, and, and I didn't get much affection from my father. You know, that just wasn't a, uh, a disposition of his. He would project in general terms. He never, that I can remember, uh, specifically saying, Jerry, I love you. He would project in a general sense so he wouldn't really uh, uh, connect it to you. He'd say, uh, you children know that your daddy loves you, you know, without any you know, physical touch. And so uh, here I am standing close to my wife and I'm touching her. He was, always had that distance. 
probably because of some of his upbringing, so that just wasn't something that I experienced, and so I probably forced that a little bit, you know, because I thought, you know, I'm going to do that with my children. They're like, Daddy, be hugging me in public. You know, everybody, everybody know you're my daddy. You know, it's like, uh, why do you do that? And so I probably forced that a little bit because I didn't receive that, that physical touch from him uh, or that direct expression of love. Anybody that had the physical touch, um, how do you communicate that with, with those you love? And what's, your res- what's their response to it? Okay. All right. Is, is that received well? I mean, you think... Uh, you, okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> And the advantage, that's a good point. You know, the, the, the natural thing with the children is you've carried them, you've embraced them all along, and that's a very natural thing. Uh, as a child, you didn't experience it. You know, you didn't experience that, and so uh, anybody who is an adult then that would e- extend that, Denise is the only girl in her family, and so she always had her own bed, and, and uh, you know, and so uh, I'm one of 11, I never had my own bed. You know, unless I just want to sleep on the couch or something. You know, it's, uh, that just wasn't possible. Uh, and so when we got married, you, you know, I'm sleeping. I'm rolling all over the bed. And she's like, get on your side. You know, like, what are you, you going to smother me over here? You know, what's this all about? Uh, if you haven't experienced that, then that language then that would be his to say, you know, I just want to hold you. Like, okay, go ahead. You know? <laughs> Uh, yeah, hold me, <laughs> he said, if I'm quick enough, you know, like, okay, you done yet? Um, but you have to work at that. Say, all right, uh, that means something to him. And uh, I want you, sometimes just to hold my hand. And let's go for a walk. And just, just to be connected, to say, I love you. And when you respond to that without, your hands are sweaty, you know what I mean? Um, what does that say to a person who, who, whose language is physical touch? I just want to wipe you off. You know, man, that's not what you mean. It, sweaty hands are gross. But if you say, hey, can we just swap hands? And you be discreet about it, you know. And let, what you're thinking is let this one air out a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, we'll hold hands with this one. But you're trying to say, I want to speak your language. I, I want you to know that I'm perfectly okay with us being physically connected here. Now you can see, we get into this next session, uh, uh, if we can't speak that language, then our intimacy is going to be really, really crippled, isn't it? Because that's just not something that would come natural to us. Um, We may endure it, but we really won't experience it with the other person. And that's true with all these languages. If we don't master them, they're going to affect the closest relationship that God expects us to have. Because we just never really communicated on any other level. And this one is going to be misread. Because we're going to feel used, or we're going to feel pushed away, or we're going to feel neglected. But if we speak each other's language on these other levels, it becomes a natural thing. 
Because we can say anything we need to say to each other because we speak fluently the other person's language. You had something? Absolutely. Absolutely. The culture you're raised up in has an effect on how we have physical touch with one another. But I just described to you, you know, I had the contrast that my mother always seemed to have time and had a lap full of kids and somebody hanging on her leg or holding on to her finger or her coattail. I mean, she, she would just cover it up with kids. She's like this, this uh, setting hen at all the eggs hatch, you know, and she's got all these little bitties around her. But my father was always from a distance and talked in generalities and projected generally. Um, so I never felt that. So you had to work at it. The, the key is this. We do come from those cultures, but um, we can change the culture. One of the things I do in uh, uh, my premarital counseling is I think when we get to week number four, I give them these little circles since he mentioned the culture, and they're, they're called mini subcultures. <laughs> and it has a uh, his and her. And uh, you fill this out and you say, this is what I experienced in my family growing up. And you identify things that were positive to you. And then over here you describe things that were negative, like my parents always yelled and screamed and we children were a nervous wreck, you know, so um, you identify that was negative experience for you. And then down here at the bottom it says ours, like when you say I do, you don't want to bring any of these negative things from your culture down here. You, you've got to visualize that, you've got to identify that and say, I didn't like that. And so you've got to consciously say, then if I didn't like that, I don't want to repeat that. I don't want to bring that down here. But if I liked it and it comforted me, we always had our meals together and you know, they wouldn't let the TV be on and you know, I just really liked that time together and I felt close to my family, well then you want to bring that down here to this, this culture. And the neat thing about that is um, they fill this out about themselves and they fill it out about their fiance. And the, the amazing thing to me, sometimes the men would say, you know, the ball game would be on and we couldn't turn on the TV until we all sat down and had a meal together and they always said, how did your day go? And like, get on with it. Let's, see, let's get this meal over with. The ball game's on and, and we couldn't ever go in there and just eat our meal in front of the TV and that just drove me crazy. That doesn't make any sense to me and you know people already understood that and, and so when, when I've got my own house I'm going to eat in front of the TV. And she fills it out and, and she says uh, my family never had meals together. When I go over and visit John, his family it just so, feels so warm and Everybody's sitting around the table, and so she brings it down. <laughs> she brings it down here, like, boy, from my from John's family, I want that to be brought into my family. And John's saying, that ain't gonna happen, you know, uh, when I get married. But it gives John a perspective to say, from an outsider's point of view, man, that was a connected family. They spent time, and she had just the opposite. Said, you know, my family, uh, some of them's in there watching TV, and some of them's in the kitchen, and and some of them's eating on the run, and we just never had time together. And I miss that. I feel like I was always reaching for somebody that wanted to be somewhere else. And he never looked at it that way. But she said, man, I want to bring that from his family and put it here. And he's saying, I'm leaving that. You know, I, I didn't like that. And so that culture thing is naturally duplicated if we don't consciously change it. And we say, well, you know, my family just wasn't a hugging type. Well, what if you marry a hugger? 
you know. What do you mean you're going to hug my neck? What's wrong with my neck, you know? Uh, why are you just my neck? You know, why are you going to hug my neck? You know, we, we just start, it's foreign to us. So we have to make time. All right, what are we going to, anybody else have an a input? This is, this is great, yeah. You had to bring up about dinners. When I was growing up, I told you I had two other brothers. third one came along later. But we were, in the morning we did our chairs and we took off. I mean, we didn't come home. We didn't want to come home. And, but at dinner time, that's when Dad, everything that we'd done wrong or everything, I mean, it was at dinner time. We were all there and he'd just go around the table and he'd sort of yell at us or complain about it and stuff like that. And so, Shirley's family, they didn't talk at dinner. Everybody was quiet. So when we were first married, you know, I'm like, let's hash all all these problems. And she's like, we don't talk. <laughs> so now we don't talk. <laughs> hey, and and, and the, the flip side of that is, or maybe the inside of that is, uh, if you're going to get indigestion at the table when you talk, it's probably better not to talk, <laughs> isn't it? You know, but, uh, but just think about that. You know, there's two contrasting views that you know dinner time was to say where have you been how come chores weren't done and and give you the right act and you're trying to digest food you know don't be smacking while I'm trying to tell you what's going on and you know that's not something you look forward to and you could kind of see where uh, that you would opt for the latter if uh, if you're used to saying okay let's we came to the table to eat and so let's just let's eat we can talk later uh, but you, if you don't consciously say all right Maybe both of those were a little extreme. That one, you're talking about things that are negative and not a pleasant place to be. The other, you don't talk at all, and so you don't know where you've been or what you need to do. Uh, maybe you take that and say, where is the, where is the healthy environment? Um, Denise and I tried to be conscious about those, and we'll talk. Now, um, this has been wonderful. I, I was telling Bob beforehand, I said, you never know what you're going to get with these discussions. You know, sit there in silence. And so if you start trying to draft people, they think, I'm not coming to another one of these. You know, if you're going to be put on the spot, I'm not going to another. But you obviously uh, learned something from your experience and that you want to do something with it. And you shared that. So what we'll do is we'll uh, break off into our separate sessions.